0: And I want to consider some uh, thoughts here in our Y series. And again, this Y series hopefully covers a number of subjects and a number of different things that hopefully can be a help and a blessing to you. But uh, we'll consider some thoughts on again the subject of abortion. Again, certainly a thought that's quite controversial, and uh, some would probably say uh, the church should not cover things along that lines. But again, uh, again, this is a life issue, and it's a death issue, Uh, and certainly uh, would fall into things that a pastor should cover and a pastor should teach about. So going to take our Bibles here in Matthew chapter 24. I want to start in verse number 3, and we're going to read down to verse number 12, uh, Matthew chapter 24, and verse number 3. The Bible says then he sat as in as he sat upon the malt the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the sign of the coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come into my name, saying, I am the Christ and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. see that you be not troubled, for all this these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We'll consider here tonight why abortion is wrong. You say, why this text? Well, the text says that in verse number 12, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Let's go ahead and talk about this subject of abortion here tonight. Let's go ahead and pray today. Father, thank you, Lord, again, for your word here today. We thank you again for this guide, and thank you again for its, again, wisdom. Thank you again here that it does cover subjects on life and death, and this subject of abortion, I believe, is quite clear when it comes to what the Bible would have us to stand for. Again, as we see, again, abortion on demand in the United States and around the world, it's a tragedy that so many would be supportive of this issue Again, just bless this time as we meet here today and as we discuss this subject, why, again, why abortion is wrong or why it's not right. Help us again by your grace just to uh, take in the word of God and consider even some scientific facts concerning life and death. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say that life, again, abortion is a life and death issue. And so someone says, well, why be concerned about it? Well, it, it impacts lives. And it has impacted the life of many in a given year. And it impacts the life of those even that have an abortion. It impacts the life of a society as a whole. And again, as you think about abortion, someone says, well, abortion's not going to affect me and my life. But really, again, abortion to an extreme would lead to genocide. Not abortion, as in the procedure. But abortion... Taken to an extreme would lead to genocide. You say, what am I talking about? Well, if you can take the life of your own child, why can't you decide in time, which we see decided already, that you can take the life of an elderly person? You could say, you know, they're not fit to live anymore. Let's put them down. That's euthanasia. In genocide, you go further. You say, you know we as a society, we as a nation, we decide, hey, you know what? We don't want certain people to live. They're defective or they're not our kind or, you know, we don't want them around. And so you would put together, put to death someone maybe that just doesn't fit your bill. That's what Hitler did. See, the gypsies were castrated, some of them, under Hitler. And again, others had, again, themselves sterilized, which means you're not going to be able to produce or reproduce. They did different things to different people. And again, anyways, I'm not getting into that that part so much here tonight, but the history of abortion is really a dark history, if you think about it. Nowhere in recent, I mean, it's not really that recent that abortion has been supported by people in general. It doesn't matter what religious faith system you're a part of, but really, even today, most religions don't support abortion because it's pro-death. Unless your religion would support death, which Satanists are arguing, I believe in New York, that it's part of their religion, that they should be able to have an abortion. Unless you support death, I don't think that you should be supportive of the killing of Anyone, especially someone that's innocent. Again, Christians have historically not supported abortion. Our government has historically not supported abortion. Most countries have never supported abortion until recent infiltration and thoughts on human life. And so Christians are anti abortion doctrinally. Hindus are anti abortion doctrinally. Buddhists are anti abortion doctrinally. Even to some degree the Jew and the Muslim is anti abortion doctrinally. You say, "Well then why are, why is there so much call for abortion?" Because people don't support necessarily all lives. All lives do not all matter to everyone. If someone again doesn't want to have a child, it should be their right not to have a child, someone would say. But yet you find the Bible speak on subjects concerning life and death. And so again, when we think about abortion, keep in mind in America, more than 1,800 abortions would have been performed probably today. Somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 abortions probably were performed today. That made people die as their life ceased. About one in every six minutes or so Fifty thousand will die this month, and about six hundred thousand plus will die this year in America as we kill innocent lives. We kill innocent lives. I know to say you "kill an innocent life," someone says, "Well, you don't know if that's a life or that isn't a life." I get that argument, but just taking the definition of abortion, and I want to consider that first of all here today. The definition of an abortion is the deliberate procedure that removes and uh, leads to the expulsion of a living or dead embryo or fetus. It's a deliberate procedure that removes and leads to the expulsion of a living or dead embryo or fetus. And I don't want to get the dynamics of exactly what uh, someone says, a dead fetus or a live fetus. Yes, a dead fetus or a live fetus, DNC. Some people have a DNC operation where maybe a, a baby dies within the womb and it has to come out some way. And so there's an abortion procedure that goes along with that too. But the living, the growing within the baby is actually a, a deliberate intervention of a doctor, nurse, or an abortion provider to end the life of a growing infant within the womb of a woman. Should a Christian be supportive of this? Let's turn to John chapter 10. Should you be supportive of someone ending the life of a baby that's growing within their womb? You might ask a question, would you be supportive of killing an innocent puppy that was being born because, you know, he just wanted to kill the puppy, didn't want any puppies? Well, you say, yeah, we do that all the time. We eliminate part of the litter. We do that in a farm or whatever it might be. You know, animals are animals, and so we'll do that sometime. But should we do that with people? Should we kill our own people? Kill your own young? John chapter 10, it might seem harsh, but it's just hard for me to gather, and it should be hard for you to gather that we are killing our own We're killing people that would look exactly like us or very much like us. All my children have attributes like mom and dad. Every child that was born would probably have attributes like mom and dad And, and parents. Mom and dads are killing their own children that would look like them, maybe act like them, sound like them, maybe grow up to be like them. John chapter 10, verse number 10, it's the the sensation or the stopping of life before it has opportunity to live out their life. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. The thief is a killer. Jesus here is a life giver. Think about God. He's all for life. He's pro-life. He created life. He's the sustainer of life. He's the giver of life. He's the one that will determine the days of your life. Let's turn to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Again, as we discuss the concept of abortion, someone says, well, it's a woman's right to choose. It's a woman's right to choose. You know, people didn't think that way before 1973 to a large degree. Some did. But to a large degree, they didn't even think that way. You know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, if you had a child and you didn't want it, you know what you'd do? You would set them up for adoption. I found these statistics interesting. Before Roe v. Wade, 9%, 9 out of 100 children were adopted. That's why, if you look back, you know you'll see people in my uh, my parents' family and and my dad's family, and they'll be, you know, she was adopted, and he was adopted, and they were adopted, and it, it was it was common thing for people to be adopted. Nine out of ten people prior to 1973 were adopted, and so adopted people were. Uh, a fabric of our society, and no more people in our society. I mean, the, after Roe v. Wade was instituted, the adoption rate dropped from 9% to 1%. You know, so instead of someone who got pregnant saying, you know, I'm going to raise this child, I'll either marry this guy or I'll raise this child on my own, my parents for me, I will raise this child or whatever, it might be lots of different options there. Or they would say to myself, you know, I'm just going to be the responsible thing. I'm going to have this baby. You know what? I'm going to put that child up for adoption. That that was just a few years ago. Not in all cases did people think that way. Abortion on demand was possible in some places in the world. Again, someone in 1967, I believe it was from Arizona, traveled all the way to Arizona because they had taken some drugs they thought were going to mess up their child. And in Europe, adoption was available, so I think they flew, I think it was to Sweden, and they got an abortion there. And the mother did it because she thought she had taken something that would hurt the child, and so after that had taken place in the U.S., some of the states had decided, hey, you know what? We're going to support abortion in the case of a mother's health or the baby's health. Again, I'm not going to go back into what that might entail, but it was still a very rare thing to a large degree. Mark chapter 3, verse number 1 through 3, abortion is the growing of a child within a mother. You can call it a fetus, you can call it an embryo. The Bible calls it an infant. Again, uh, to be with child, to be pregnant, whatever it might be, and to stop that is to take away an innocent life. Mark chapter 3, verse number 1 through 3, it says, And he entered again into a synagogue, and there was a, there was a man there with a withered hand, and they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man with a withered hand, Stand forth." And it goes on, and I just want to read verse number four. It says, and he said unto is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill it? But they held their peace. You know, the idea of taking life or sustaining life or bringing life or bringing about a better life, we should be supportive of life. And so why should we not support abortion? Why is abortion wrong? Why is the Stopping human life not right. First of all, because abortion is the act of killing. It's the act of killing. You could call it murder if you'd want to. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. It's the act of taking away a life. It's going to stop the life. In most cases, it stops the life. And sadly, in cases sometimes where, again, and, and, I, and I say it's sad, is because the baby is so far along, the mom has an abortion. You know, sometimes in cases, there's been cases, and it's not, again, exactly rare, or it wasn't rare, but in cases where states that, again, allow for abortion up to the day the child is born, sometimes that baby is born alive. I mean, assailing a born person. Saline was supposed to kill them. That's the salt solution. It was supposed to kill them, but didn't kill them or hurt. And they're born alive. Exodus chapter 20, or verse number 15, There are examples of people that were supposed to be aborted, but the baby survived. I mean, the baby was so alive that maybe at times that the mother pleaded and said, you know, I don't want that baby to die. I mean, the the, the goal of them going in there in the case of these late-term abortion was to see that child, again, life taken away, but they weren't born dead. They were born alive. The procedure didn't work as it was supposed to. Lots of different procedures. I'm not going to go into different kinds of abortion procedure, but some are so grotesque, they're just terrible. You wouldn't treat an animal like that. I mean... Punching the head of an infant to make sure they die before they come out. I mean, that's almost, I probably almost shouldn't say that. But the child is so small at the time. Exodus 20, verse 15. Exodus 20, verse 15, it says, Thou shalt not steal. Verse 13, it says, Thou shalt not kill shouldn't steal from a life. It shouldn't take away a life. What does abortion do? It stops a life. We should be pro-adoption, pro-life, pro every baby getting a chance to live, to thrive, to become whatever it could be or should be. Again, I just want to read to you a little bit about a case Of a woman who had a difficult decision to make. And uh, just a little bit of details. She's from San Francisco. I want to give you her last name, but Debbie from San San Francisco found out she was pregnant. The test showed that her son, so they could identify. Right? You know how they do ultrasounds so they could identify. Her son would have Down syndrome. She chose at that point in her life to terminate the pregnancy. And that boy would never be born to live his life. She said about that experience I felt it was a right decision to make, but having to make it didn't make an easy decision. It was the hardest decision I'd ever made in my life. She was married, a married mother, had a five year old, and she said it wasn't easy, but I decided to end the life of my Down syndrome boy. That Down syndrome boy, his life was taken away. It was taken away because mom decided. It was okay for that life to be terminated because it was lawful to terminate. It was okay to terminate. But again, when it comes to abortion, I wonder why in the first place we've seen this law go into effect in 1973. Just want to mention again, one of the professors or the persons that were on the Supreme Court or argued during the Supreme Court was a guy by the name of Jaime Gordon from Mayo Clinic. He spoke in the famous Roe v. Wade case and said this, it is an established fact, this is 1973, Heidi Gorman said this from Mayo Clinic, it's an established fact that all life, including human life, begins at the moment of conception. Was he wrong? You know, a lot of people say they just didn't know what was going on back in 1973. Oh, yes, they did. Oh, yes, they did. This, this Professor Hyman from Mayo Clinic, Uh, He he said, you know, life begins at a conception. We know that to be true scientifically today. Professor Matthews from Harvard University argued it is scientifically correct to say that an individual, uh, that an individual human life begins at conception. Again, in the Fargo Forum some years back, again, there was an article and I clipped this out and just want to read to you about it the science of the unborn and uh, it's written by a guy in general he's no expert necessarily but he just says some things about uh, life and when human life is begins and human life is unique again his name is uh, Tim Moser and again he's not anybody in particular but this is in March 13 2000 article he wrote again some examples of, of science and it proves conclusive some things about human life and so He wrote these things, I just want to mention them quickly. He says, the unborn human being is from the moment of conception different from his mother. From conception, the unborn has a full genetic code. It's from conception. The unborn has a unique DNA signature different from that of the mother or the father. The unborn is alive and growing from conception until death. The unborn has his own blood supply separate from his mother. The unborn can have a Different blood type than the mother. The unborn have a heartbeat about three weeks after conception. The unborn have brain waves about six weeks after conception. The unborn develops unique fingerprints, organs, and body systems. The unborn responds to stimuli. The unborn looks and acts uh, just as if he uh, would, as he would develop. Conclusion is the unborn is a unique human being. And so he had some things to say about the unborn, and those things are true. Unborn is different than its mother. can have a different supply. can have a different type of blood and all those kinds of things. And so if someone says, well, they're the one the same. Again, the baby's really not anything until a certain time or whatever. No, they're just growing. They're just growing. We'll recognize the unborn in animals. Again, here's another article. Again, this is from a while back, but it mentions here the Minnesota Zoo. A dolphin is pregnant. A dolphin in the Minneapolis Zoo is expecting again. The zoo said on Tuesday that Ryo will be expecting her fourth calf this next summer. Rio is the oldest female in the zoo's group of Atlantic dolphins. Her pregnancy was recently confirmed when an ultrasound detected a fetal heartbeat, an image. Hmm. You see a fetal heartbeat. You see a fetal image. You say, you know, we got a dolphin. We got an animal of some kind growing here. There's the mom and, the, and the calf. A fourth calf is going to be born. We well, recognize a calf. But in a lot of states, you don't recognize an infant. You could recognize what is a boy or girl. You could recognize what his heart is beating, and yet in many states, in most states, sadly, that infant can be put to death. I mean, Alaska. I I was shocked to see Alaska. I mean, of recent Alaska, you can have an abortion up to the day that a child's born. Isn't that crazy? Have you seen a mother being pregnant? I mean, fully pregnant, and, and I mean, just totally pregnant? I mean, you could decide... Basically, the day before that day, baby's being born, as long as it's not outside the body, you can put that child to death But the time. As soon as that baby's outside the body, you can't do anything really to that child. Otherwise, you would be accused of child abuse, murder, infanticide, whatever it might be. Again, one can go into a lot of details in the Bible showing the fact that, a Bible, again, the, the child is an infant, and is a person before they're born. Let's turn to Psalm 103. Well, sorry, wrong inference. Psalm, Psalm 10, if you would. Babies are babies. Infants are infants. Calves are calves. You go on and talk about different kinds of animals, and you could talk about their names, maybe some of them different between the adults and the child. But... Uh, the thing that you recognize in them is they're still different from mom and dad. They're a combination of mom and dad. They're genetically going to be like on mom and dad. Again, but they'll be somewhat different. And so the first reason why we shouldn't support abortion or why, again, abortion is wrong is because, first of all, it takes a life away from an innocent person. And we shouldn't want to have that done. Psalm chapter 10, verse number 3. Psalm 10, verse number 3. It says, For the wicked boasteth of his harsh desire and the uh, blesses the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. Verse number 8. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. In secret places, he doth murder the innocent. Someone says, why should we be opposed to abortion? Because, again, abortion involves the shedding of innocent blood and the killing of the innocent. Our society believes in, uh, again, being innocent before guilty. And certainly only the guilty should be punished. If you find every year, women again going out and going to uh, providers, abortion providers, and putting to death, again, innocent children, death again in society, again, may be lawful, and it may be something that's becoming regular, but it's not right. Why abortion is wrong? Because abortion involves the killing and shedding of blood of those that are innocent turn to proverbs chapter 6. Someone says, "Well, what if, what if the the baby's born into a bad situation? What if what if the baby is born of this situation or that situation? All kinds of people will often argue on the along the lines of incest and rape and all these kind of things and they'll say, "You know, this is the reason why this should be right." Is it right to kill a human being? That's that's the bottom line it gets really down to. Is it right to kill A baby. You know, we used to rejoice in babies. We used to think babies were a blessing. We used to think that again babies were special. Uh, Again, we would often have big parties to welcome a baby along in the world. And certainly a lot of people still do that. But more and more people look at babies as being you know something that we shouldn't have. Too many babies, no good. On and on it goes. But the Bible condemns the killing of the innocent. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 16 and 17, it says these six things that the Lord hate, ye seven are abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, the hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running the mischief. On and on it goes. But it says there in verse number 17, these are things that God hates, the Lord hates, hands that shed innocent blood. You know, there once was a, again, abortion doctor that supported abortion quite a bit. I don't remember his name right now, but I just read about him recently. And it wasn't until he had seen, you know, basically, in, in live form, a baby running away from a device that was being brought towards the baby that he realized that that 12, month, uh, 12 sorry, 12-week-old 12 baby could respond to stimuli. Was actually fleeing from a situation, an intrusion, etc. And he noticed this. He started wondering about what he was doing. He was seeing that he was terminating the life of something alive, something that he no longer wanted to do, and he stopped performing abortions. Deuteronomy chapter 27, again, someone says, Well, Again, when it comes to abortion, again, it's, it'd be a good thing to, to you know, kill the baby because the baby was involved with the situation. The baby shouldn't have been born in the first place or whatever it might be. I get all that and I get the reasons and complications in a lot of different situations. But again, just the bottom line is, are you for putting babies to death? Well, sometimes. Well sometimes can be extended to can 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 get to a point where it should be for all times. If you say sometimes, then I could argue for all times. And then I could argue for only certain babies living, certain babies not living. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and uh, verse number 25 it says, Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay the innocent person And all the people should say shall say Amen. Cursed be they that take a reward for the slaying the innocent. You know, people get paid money to stop pregnancies. The abortion industry is a very thriving industry. Again, they're always begging for money and also getting money from different people, but cursed be he that taketh the reward to slay innocent person. And so the Bible is against taking a reward for Killing an innocent person, and then Proverbs says again, the shedding of the blood of an innocent person is again something that God is against, that God hates, and so abortion involves the shedding of blood of the innocent, and so certainly again, a Christian shouldn't be as supportive of abortion. Let's turn to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew seven. There's a lot of reasons for not supporting abortion or why we could consider abortion wrong I compiled actually a very large list and I'm not going to go through it all tonight I don't know that I'll even go through it uh, as we could discuss this history I had some 30 some points on this that would be a lot to cover but it just shows you I might come up with 30 points a person probably could come up with 100 points on why abortion is wrong Matthew chapter 7 verse number 12 Matthew 7, verse number 12, it says, Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And it's commonly called the golden rule. What you'd want someone to do to you, do to them. And so again, why is abortion wrong? Because it violates the golden rule. It violates A baby's choice. Baby doesn't get a choice. Abortion doesn't, again, allow the baby to decide, you know, I want to live, I want to die. No. Somebody else decides that instead. And they decide to do something that they wouldn't even want done to themselves because they're alive. They're alive and they've been given life, but they're choosing, again, to take away and terminate the life of a baby. It's crazy when you think about it, really. The parents, known historically to be the protectors, the providers, the nurturers, the lovers of their own children, turn around and become something else. And sometimes, again, they do this because, again, it might affect their life. Again, a teenager by the name of Tiffany in Mississippi said this, I want to do something bigger with myself. I didn't want to be stopped by anything. That's why she decided for abortion. A baby would have hurt her future plans. I didn't want to do something that might stop me from doing anything. And so this baby decided that, you know, I'm gonna terminate the life of this child. Psalm chapter 51. I'm not saying it's easy. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 51 for someone to decide sometimes. I think some are pressured. to mean, a, a boyfriend might say, well, you've got to have an abortion. You know, a parent might say, you know what your life will be like if you have to have this child? Friend might say, you know, the easiest thing would be able to terminate this pregnancy. And so maybe a mother, and she is a mother, decides to take the life of her own child. Because it's and it's legal. It's okay to do. They're even incentivizing it now. I, I've seen an article. I didn't read through it, but it sounds like they're going to have some special vehicles near the borders of some red states that are re- restrictive that can help provide abortions to people in other states so that they can you know, basically go to a, a mobile place to have an abortion. Can you imagine that? Crazy, crazy. Anyways. Psalm 51, verse number 3, it says, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sins are ever before me. And I just read this about David because he had committed adultery, he had sinned and he regretted it. And he says, my sin is ever before me. They say in over 50% of the cases of people that have an abortion, they remember that abortion, but they also remember the birthday of that abortion. Many of the women, again, decide to have an abortion because they think it's the best thing, but they don't know that they'll have regrets later on. Again, there's an article in the Washington Post of a lady who spoke out about her mental torment after abortion. She said, every day is hell for me. Every time I hear a baby cry. The baby would have been. What would the baby would have been what would the contributions my baby would have made to society? I wondered if I'd ever have the choice again to be a mother. To hear a baby cry. Imagine again, maybe you had an abortion early because you said, you know, I just it's not the right time for it. And then you try to have children after that. You can't have children. You say, well, wouldn't you regret that? You certainly might. But abortion, why is it wrong? Because it sometimes leads to shame, heartache, regrets, and mental issues with the mother after she's had it. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 54. David said this thing that he had done led to that transgression ever being before him. He thought on it, he considered it, and it was a mental issue for him. Again, like any sin, we can regret doing it. There's sometimes shame attached to it. Sometimes, again, we have thoughts about it and we wish maybe we had never done it or whatever it might be. But you see here in Isaiah 54, verse number four, it says, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither shalt thou be confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame, but thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. Thou shalt forget the shame of the youth. Some are able, maybe in time, to forget. But living with the sin of, again, maybe aborting a child after maybe you figured out what you actually did could lead to some heartache and some shame. And so abortion is wrong because of the shame, heartache, and regrets that are often attached to it. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 4, if you would. I just want to mention a fifth thing here tonight, and I think I'll... Stop with this fifth thing here after I'm done here tonight. Again, as we think about why abortion is wrong, because abortion hinders the plan of God for a person's life. Abortion hinders the plan of God for a person's life. You know, God has a plan for every child, every person that comes in this world. He's the one that allowed for that child to come into the world. He's that one who is allowed again for that person to be uh, born into this world. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 25. The Bible says, and Andrew knew, uh, sorry, and Adam knew his wife, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth, for God said, She hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Yes, there might be some replacements, but if you think about a person's life, what was the plan? of God for Abel's life, that he'd give glory to God, that he would serve God, that he'd sacrifice to God, that he'd be whatever before God. And you think about all these things that ceased when his life was taken away from him, from him by his brother. The what ifs of abortion. What if so-and-so lived? What if so-and-so uh, didn't live? Again, a lot of people don't understand. Again, every life make some kind of difference in this world let's turn to judges chapter 13 god again has a plan for every living soul and uh again in in his plan for every every living soul he has a purpose for a person's life and uh certainly has determined the length of their life and a lot of different things along that way but again god again purposely gives people children and purposely has a life for each of those children. Again, here in Judges chapter 13 and uh, verse number 5, the Bible says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For that child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And so you see a child born. And again, this is, uh, again, Samson here. But God had a purpose for his life, to be a deliverer. Now, again, he was again given that place to be a deliverer. But again, you think about all the people throughout history, how, how many people have been again given life and then others not given life and the potential of their lives taken away. I've said it before, I'll say it again. What if we had 60 million more Americans? And we'd probably have more than that. But that's how many lives have been taken away. Those 60 million probably would have produced more. Okay, you know people out of those sixty million's of life that were terminated, I would guarantee that at least a few of them would have had children. What if we've lost probably upwards of hundred million people? We have three hundred million people in our country. But we've lost upwards, probably if those children had a few children or had a child or a child here and there, about sixty million people killed since Roe v. Wade became law. More than 60 million. What impact could those children make? How different society might be today if those children were given life? If some of those children were raised by some adopted parents instead that loved them and cared for them? You've heard of some adopted children, real special, haven't you, in life? I'm sure you have. What if those children were given life? What inventions would have been made? Hopefully good ones, probably some bad ones too. But what a difference. What the possibilities might have been. Again, in our United States, we, we say today, well, it's hard to find a good leader today. Maybe one of those leaders that we want would have been created and had been created, but somebody's life was terminated why abortion is wrong, there are so many reasons why abortion are, is wrong, but abortion hinders the potential plan that God has for a life. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 49. You know, Samson was to be a deliverer, and he became a deliverer. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, he became a prophet. Isaiah chapter 49, again, Isaiah was called to be Someone who would be a spokesman for God and he became a spokesman for God. This was, in a sense, before he was born. Isaiah 49, verse 1, it says, Listen, O isles unto me, and hearken to the people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the balls of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Isaiah, known of God, while he was still inside his mother. The world misses, I believe, lives of the unborn. The lives of the born are missed opportunities, missed, uh, again, missed uh, inventions, missed impactors, missed mothers and fathers that could have raised others for good and for God. And we don't know exactly what would have happened as a result. But again, as we consider the Bible here tonight, I'd have you turn back to Matthew 24, Problem, I believe, again, with today and in the past, the problem with again, children, again, and having children is a lot of it has to do with love and the willing to sacrifice and be responsible. The Bible says in verse 12 of Matthew 24, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The love of many shall wax cold. Again, we think about people not loving other people, but I think the love of many. Waxing cold could be the love of having many children. Many can wax cold. All right, let's close as we consider the word of God.